Episode 63, March the 20th, 2013, the Royal Beast one. You are listening to This Is Atleti, the only podcast in English dedicated to Atletico Madrid. In today's episode... Atletico, or maybe we should say Diego Costa, single-handedly beats Osasuna with a double goal performance, but he gets injured with a sprained ankle. Doreno paid tribute again to the Royal Beast. Atleti are touching the Champions League with the tips of their fingers with a 15-point lead and just 10 games to go. While Coca grows into top assisting player for Atleti, there is still no news from Oliver Torres who watches all the matches from the bench. It's time for the international break as Atleti sees eight players travel. Is it enough recognition for a sensational season? A tough match ahead, Valencia at home. Always unsettled issues with Soldado and Co. And now, the red and white fact of the week. With five away matches to go, Aledi have already collected three more points than last season. The last time we reached 19 overall Liga victories, which occurred in 2008-2009, we made it into the Champions League. Hello everyone, welcome back to this Atleti, your space for 100% Atletico Madrid news and opinion. This is Ricardo Menendez once again hosting the show. And tonight, let me stop and celebrate the return of Gary. Gary, how are you? Hey guys, hard things. Glad to be back. You've gone back home, right? Yes, I'm back home. Okay, great. But you're sounding crystal clear all the way from Ireland. Um, and we also have Martin Rosa now uh, from Florida. How are you, Martin? Doing good. Glad to have Gary back on the show. Yeah, great to hear you as well. Um, and we have Derek Mayen as usual. Derek, how are you? I'm fine, uh, guys. Great talking to you again. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading that Gary's in Madrid. Are you in Madrid, Gary? Yes, I thought you were coming back home to the podcast. <laughs> I thought you were in Ireland. Okay, well. I thought you were coming back home to the podcast. Basically, it's great to have you back. <laughs> I thought you had you you had traveled back home these days, but well. And anyway, let's let's get going and let's um, let's start with Osasuna, the 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 most recent match, and uh, well, uh, let's make the most of having Gary back on the show. Let me let me um, hand you the microphone and hear your comments for Diego Costa's incredible performance, um, Osasuna did seem to have uh, problems uh, stopping uh, the, the Brazilian forward, and it's another match. Your po I want you to give us your point of view, which, is, um, uh, which normally has a lot of insight. Uh, do you think that it, the rise of Diego Costa has something to do with uh, Falcao's results not being as spectacular as they used to be? That's a very good point and a very good question. Uh, it was said to me a couple of weeks ago on Twitter uh, during a match that uh, it is kind of ironic that one player rises as the other collapses. Not collapse, maybe it's a bit too strong, but Belkow's form is very worrying. It's something to worry about and also his body language. Um, it seems that teams have figured out how to play us now. Uh, play the defense higher up the field and that drags Falcao and he kind of needs he needs space between the midfield and uh, the attacking line. And when he doesn't have that space, he seems to suffer. And that's what we're seeing now. Teams are kind of boxing the, the midfield and the attacking line in. 
And so Costa, because he's a bit of a, a beast when he has the ball, he can run at defenders. He's got no uh, fear. Mm-hmm. Costa, for me, is, uh, he's a very, very hard player. You want to like him, but then there's so many things about him that you know. I mean, if he was at any other team, you would absolutely hate the guy's guts. But he's putting in a shift. He's the type of player that Atletico have needed for a long time. Somebody that's your plan B or somebody you know that will deliver. I think it's kind of a Simeone on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Somebody that just will lunge into everything and fight to the bitter end. Sometimes his temperament does kind of annoy me because I think he needs to learn to switch it off sometimes and go, OK, it's not working today. But uh, Falcao, I really am starting to get worried. Um, not because these... We've only a few points before we get the Champions League football, more or less. So it's not really the league, but we're coming into a Copa del Rey final against Real Madrid. And if his head is being turned, some are suggesting it's because of transfer talk and a summer move. His head is being turned. Imagine what it's going to be like in May when the transfer window comes closer to opening. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Martin, um, are you also worried about about uh, Falcao's performance and um, linking it to... Uh, another superb match by Diego Costa. Uh, do you think both both issues are related? Um, I think they're related. Uh, I think it has to do more with not not necessarily Diego Costa's superb performance that Falcao's struggling. I think it's just Diego Costa being on the pitch, period, whether he struggles or not, that uh, Falcao has a harder time finding spaces because Costa, when he's up there, it, it's like, you know, we've talked about it. We talked about it on the last episode that mm-hmm. whenever he takes the ball up, uh, he keeps his head down and he just kind of tries to win a foul. Or when he puts the ball in, he doesn't have great timing with Falcao. Mm-hmm. And you see Falcao get exasperated with him sometimes, waiting for him inside the box. Diego Costa has his head down and he just takes the ball at a defender. Uh, and then you see Falcao trying to make a run and he, he never really gets the ball when, when he wants it. And even that's even when we... seeing that body language. Mm-hmm. Even we mentioned a couple of episodes uh, back that um, the heat maps that um, Diego Costa's moves on on the pitch or Adrian's moves on the pitch uh, provoke are absolutely different, and and maybe that's having a higher than expected influence on on how relevant uh, Falcao is for the team. Yeah, we've seen him go through these periods of you know these batches where he goes three games, four games without scoring. I'd like to point out he hasn't scored in three games now, but he was coming off a streak of scoring four straight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's time to get really worried yet. Uh, last season he did have the I think he went like five games, mm-hmm. something like that at most, without scoring, and then you know he came back and we saw what he did in the final uh, towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the Europa League and towards mm-hmm. the end. In such a long season, it's expectable that something like that could could happen. Right, and then other things that can happen is that Cholo can still play around with the system. This time we saw him uh, force Arda to stay on the right, you know what I mean? And our counterattack, the only counterattack that that was fruitful that night came from the right side. Uh, We saw something different there that that we saw uh, the first 30 minutes of the game at Osasuna. Uh, I think everyone was pretty much in agreement that Aleti couldn't put anything together. The the first half was the first 30 minutes were really really dull. Uh, Chola admitted that the plan was to hold back and try to uh, withstand Osasuna there at home and then pounce when we get a chance basically. And and that's exactly what we did. When we finally got a chance, we pounced. 
uh, once we scored, uh, we broke through. Spaces started opening up for us. Uh, and, and Cholo said that the game wasn't decided. He never felt like the game was decided, but I disagree. I never felt like Osasuna... No, we never seemed in, endangered. Actually, right, after after the second goal, so it kind of surprised me. I guess uh, Cholo was being a little modest there, saying that you know the game wasn't. He never felt the game was decided, but uh, but you know I, I never felt Sasuna was threatening. And then the other thing is, I think that that approach that we took, Cholo said it was the right thing to do and everything, and I'm not one to question him. We ended up winning 2-0. But I'm afraid of what if Osasuna in those first 30 minutes would have managed to, you know, break through our defense or a mistake and, and they would have scored. Uh, my fear of going into games like that, sitting back and waiting, is that our game plan is totally doomed if they do manage to score. If Osasuna manages to score, it just doesn't seem like we'll create or, or we'll, you know, uh, regroup in a way where we can come back. Because as Gary pointed out, our opponents are playing us farther back. They're sitting back and waiting for us, kind of playing our, our style. Mm-hmm. And if they're winning one nothing, they're just going to emphasize that even more. And we've seen that when we played at, uh, I think, at Rayo and we lost. Mm-hmm. There we didn't manage to break through to the last moment. So that that's what I'm worried about. Cholo said that that was the right thing to do, to go into that game and sit back. But if Osasuna manages to score... You know, we're I, in deep trouble, yeah, and then yeah. uh, and it's it's a very steep return from from um, going into the second half with with a with a negative result. Yeah, I I, I get you totally. Um, uh, Derek, uh, what's your opinion on on both issues? I think that um, Martin and Gary have really hit uh, the nail on the head here about the teams figuring Atletico out. And it's something that we discussed last week on the podcast where Atletico might uh, need to start looking for a plan B. Um, But fortunately, compared to our previous two games, um, this time we hit them early. And against uh, Malaga and Real Sociedad, we, we didn't manage to score because we missed so many of our opportunities. And this time around... Diego Costa actually capitalized on our first attempt on target, I believe that it was. So that was a big change, and it really helped us to, to, to grow into the game because, as Martin rightly pointed out, we struggled in the first half. And I think that you guys might be underestimating um, the amount of chances that Osasuna actually had because I can't remember one of our recent games in which Courtois had so much to do. Yeah, 19, 19 shots, in fact. Well, and he still managed to keep a clean sheet, but I think we, we might have been a bit lucky there because um, Courtois played very, very well. And um, to be honest, Osasuna's striking force is rather... Um, they're they're really, rather poor, let, let's be honest. Um, but they still managed to get a lot of shots off. And I think that it, it's difficult to really point out um, a source for that. But overall, as a team, we didn't seem as sharp and maybe underestimated made it as soon as slightly, mm-hmm. but um, I think that we were kind of fortunate to get away with a clean sheet here, because it might have been a lot more difficult if Osasuna had just been a little bit more um, sharper in front of the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I just want to go ex- agree completely with uh, Derek there about a lot of people are praising Costa, but I think it was Courtois had another astounding match. At the fact that he kept a clean sheet and it was St. Patrick's night, there's not many men can say that. Like <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, sorry. It was another solid performance from the shot stopper. But uh, I don't know if you guys have discussed uh, about who could 
or what we should do with his future. Uh, because I know this week, is it this week that the, so one of the Atleti delegates is going over to London to meet Chelsea and uh, to discuss his long-term future. But what else can we do but wait? Um, we're in the hands of Chelsea right now. Do you think it's an idea maybe? I know I think Gorka was fantastic. I love him. He's brilliant. But uh, is it time maybe for us to get something more permanent? Because it's we. what you were saying about Simeone, I think it was a few weeks ago, that it gives stability to the club, his new contract. Well, sure as well, having players like the Falcao and like the Courtois' future being discussed over and over every year, it doesn't give you stability. Yeah, but that's like um, uh, rejecting bringing Diego Rivas to the team in in 2010 because he was only going to be here for, for a season. It was a great season. No, but I think, for example, my idea, so, if you put someone on loan, you bring him in on loan, and if it works out, you sign him. The problem with Diego Rivas was we were absolutely broke. We had no money to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but have you, any of you thought of a couple of alternatives for Courtois? Uh, thing is that the alternatives, in my opinion, are, are either expensive or green as grass. <laughs> you, there you, is you, one person I would like to bring in... Uh, and well, there's two. I know one. You're going to go completely ballistic when I say his name. Uh, Sergio Asenjo. Diego no. Lopez. <laughs> Diego Lopez is who I was thinking. <laughs> um, I think we would get him for a bargain in the summer because with Casillas. Yeah, Diego. But he he eliminated that possibility. I mean, it's yeah. it's like you you can't you can't get a a, a reject um, or. Or a rebounded uh, player from Real Madrid to to be your starting goalkeeper. I know, but I still think it would be brilliant. Another was I was speaking to some of the guys off Real Madrid television, and I asked them. We were speaking about goalkeepers, and they were talking about Casillas and Diego Lopez, and all three of them said the exact same: who their favorite keeper in La Liga was. And I was quite surprised with this, so I've been keeping an eye on them the last couple of weeks, so I could come on here and talk to you about them. Roberto Zaragoza. Roberto's a fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah, I I, I like him a lot. Mendes, Jorge Mendes' connections with Atletico, I think we could get him for about 7 or 8 million. Would it not be worth getting Roberto for 7 or 8 million now and then having him for at least 3 or 4 years down the road? Damn, but, but that's already paying uh, half of the price it, uh, you sold the half for. Gary, for example, what if we were to take Courtois for free another season or maybe we pay, what, a, a million or two uh, as a loan fee and then you have an excellent keeper, um, arguably the best one around this year in La Liga, at least if you go by his numbers. Um, And then why not sign, for example, a Diego Lopez or a Roberto next season when they're one year further in their contracts, which would make them them cheaper options, Um, and they'll still be as good. I mean, why rush it now if we did have the possibility to take Courtois another season alone as... Obviously, he's very keen to continue at the Vicente Calderon. He can play uh, Champions League with us next season. He is someone Simeone clearly counts on. I don't really see the reason to, to change that, even if we're not his permanent owners. But mm-hmm. I think, for example, in what we're going to see next season is all the price tags of every keeper in Europe go up. It's going to, it's going to be known and let to go want to need, not want to need to buy a keeper. For me, Roberto is still 27. So he's a bloody bargain to get now. You get him, you could at least maybe have him for an eight. No, Roberto's a very good option. Yes. And and they're playing Leo Franco, which I find unbelievable. Have you guys heard any more about Andres being discussed as an option? He was discussed early in the season. Yeah. And then, um, now he's on the 
He's on, you know, I think Barcelona. Even and Real Madrid and Barcelona are considering him as as, as backup goalkeepers. Uh, goalkeeper, I, I don't know. I I think that Andres Fernandez is 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 one of those risks you you could take, but it would probably you see be it kind of like an Asenjo type thing. Uh, it, it would be even riskier than uh, than Asenjo because Asenjo was was already considered um uh to be Casillas replacement in the future for for quite a uh um a big amount of years uh, so um I, I think we're in a different case right now we have there um uh, a, a huge number of interesting goalkeepers all around Europe and I just think I wouldn't rush this I I would I would probably p- play cool and try to keep Courtois for for another season, um, at least that's my opinion, and I, I just think that um, we we haven't seen uh, goalkeepers perform better than than Courtois. I think he's he's at the same level as De Gea. I I was a huge De Gea fan, and I think that they're probably at the same level. Oh, I completely disagree. I think Courtois is is, is, is ahead. Well, yes. yeah, he might sure. be. Yeah, he might be. Uh, I I think so. He that's might be. Yeah. I think Courtois' leadership in the box is impressive. Especially that, maybe, but maybe um, uh, from from the not only goalkeeping point of view, um, Courtois is is a better player. Um, and I really don't know. Roberto would be a good option, but I, I can't make up my mind on 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 that front. To be completely I'd be, honest, I'd be happy to have Courtois another year. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that would be that would be incredible. Yeah, I understand Gary's reservations about it, you know, about securing the future and everything. But uh, I'd be very, very happy for. Don't don't you sense now that we're talking about um, uh, signings uh, that there is a there is a change in the trend um, with Atletico, where all the news used to be about outbound players, and all of a sudden, um, ever since. Um, it was more or less clear that Simona was going to sign a long-term contract. Um, even the rumors about Falcao leaving at the end of the season have totally hushed, and we're just getting rumors about the, the opposite, about players that, that are um, arriving to the Atletico de Madrid. I mean, at least as a change, it's much more positive for the atmosphere. I don't know if you, you guys have, have even uh, thought about that. Did you read us today? <laughs> Um, I I was reading the newspaper today, and they were talking about um, Marca was talking about Diego Rivas um, coming back, and also talking about Burak from uh, Turkey. Yeah, and um, in recent days we've heard about De Gea, we've heard um, uh, talks for uh, other interesting players uh, like Andres Fernandez, for example. The best the best goalkeeper in the league, I think we could get on a free transfer because, for example. I think Casillas is one of the best in the world. And Mourinho says Adan is better than Casillas. And his contract finishes at the end of the year, so let's get him on a free transfer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and give him away to Getafe. Okay, well, um, moving on. Um, no, I joke. No comments, please. <laughs> <laughs> um... Right now, uh, going back to the topic about Champions League, um, how many victories do you think we're away from securing it? Um, I've I've been reading comments where we we asked this on on our Facebook page uh, and we got a lot of feedback um, from a lot of fans. I 
I, I, I read uh, a few interesting comments, like saying that probably securing the next three matches would be more than enough to secure the third position, uh, winning against Valencia, Getafe, and Granada. I was slightly surprised, Ricky, by, uh, by the question in the first place, because with the position that we're in, personally, I didn't think that we, uh, we were even in a position to look back and look at a team behind us, because... The only way we can go is up. Um, we're either finishing third or second, and um, that's a great position to be in because, to be honest, I have no idea who's in fourth right now. I think it's Malaga or possibly Sociedad. Yeah, wait. Um, far away, far, far away. And isn't that Malaga just a great feeling? Because in previous seasons, we were always looking at the teams who are in fourth position because we were behind and we, had to, we were trailing. We were, had to catch up with them. And right now, we're actually in a position... Um, last last uh, episode we called it in limbo, like Valencia previous seasons would be in third place with nothing to play for. This time around we're actually securing third place and we can go, only go up and it's just a great feeling and I haven't looked back um, in months. I, I, I'm I not worried at all about the teams that are, um, are, are trading. Yeah, but, the, uh, but as the end of the season arrives, don't you f- um, have this feeling of needing closure? Uh, on the Champions League front and being able to concentrate on the rest of the season and just at least securing that that third position. Well, it's it's something that we discussed briefly on the last episode where I said that I hope that Simeone is taking every single game as a preparation for the cup final because we can't let our focus down. We have to be concentrated every single game just to keep that sharpness, to keep that edge um, for the cup final, which is on the what 17th of May. Um and it would just be a shame if we're going to rest players if we're not taking the league seriously because then you're getting um, the players are getting distracted. They're not as focused anymore. And um, I bet don't, if don't you think that once you you secure third, um, you're in the perfect position to compete against Real Madrid um, with no pressure at all? No, I completely agree with Derek because okay. I think and a case of example of this was Athletic Bilbao Club Athletic Bilbao. Last year, when they got the two finals, they kind of took their foot off the the gas in the La Liga. They rested lots of players. They get players breaks. They get players breaks, and then they came into the Copa, uh, the Europa League final. And Atletico were so pumped up because the adrenaline was so high of game, game, chasing Europe, chasing Champions League, chasing this, chasing this, changing this, that the players were so pumped up. And that's why when we went down and it was a game, single shot, single shot at victory. What, yeah. uh, whereas um, Aledi had two two shots and yeah. and neither it worked. Cost them. It cost them big time, and that's where Derek's right. I think we need to main focus. If I may, uh, just add some stats there or points total. Last season, Valencia sealed third spot with sixty-one points. Okay, sixty-one. That- 61. That is the lowest in the last four years. In the 2010-2011 season, Valencia got 71 points. Fourth place got 62. In the 2009-2010 season, Valencia got 71 points again. Fourth spot got 63. In 2008-2009, now this was the last time Atletico got to the Champions League, Sevilla got third with 70 and Atletico got fourth with 60. Seven. Now, last season was an exception because Real Madrid and Barca were beating everything in sight. I mean, Real Madrid got 100 points. I don't think we're going to see that this season. But Barca might come close. Uh, I think we need to try to get second. And I think, for example, if we can nick second, uh, the closer we stay to Real Madrid, it's a confidence boost to us for the Copa del Rey final. Mm-hmm. If you listen back to every start of the season, 
episode of This Is Atleti, I always said what I wanted, my where I would turn back and say this has been a great season, if in January or February we are just 10 points off Barcelona or Real Madrid, this season we've achieved that. Right now we're 14 points off them, but it's March. I think it's been a very successful season, and one of the reasons it's been successful, as Joachim has said many times on Madrid Atletico, is because it's partido por partido. We take it a game at a game, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to keep our mentality on that. We've got to keep everybody focused. Everybody, The guys on the bench got to know that they're not going to get a game unless they do something well in training. Not that they're going to get a game because Simeone's resting people. We've got to have the right mentality. And if we start resting and taking, okay, we've got third now, let's give Oliver a chance, let's give this person, let's give this person a chance. I don't think, I think we'll get really lost on the, and we'll lose our way. And I think we really, this is a big, big opportunity for Atletico Madrid to move forward. And that's another thing next season. We need to consult consolidate this position and move forward nittle by nittle. If we get third this season, it doesn't mean we're going to win the league next season. We don't have the squad. We don't have the players to win the league next season. But we have the squad to move one step forward, one move, one step at a time. And maybe, maybe in three or four years' time, Atletico Madrid can be where they deserve to be at the top of the Spanish La Liga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Excellent point. Um, Martin, anything to add there? No, just the same thing, that this the battle for second place uh, I definitely will keep us pumped. Uh, if if Real Madrid ran away with second place and we started, you know, resting players like like the guys were saying, uh, I don't like that that approach. You know, going into the final in May, uh, I'd much rather us be tip top and and still pushing. You know, week by week, having our starters playing together, it's definitely an advantage. And I think that was a great example from last season between Athletic Bilbao. Comparing Athletic Bilbao and Atleti. Okay, so uh, what, what do the... we do? What do we do with a with a promising player that we have um, that Simeone just seemed to hold too many doubts whether to to play him or give him any minutes during the regular season? Um, it, is there no space for 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 giving minutes to, to for to Oliver so he can um, start to develop in in the top flight? And... Well, I think I think if we have in one of these games, maybe a home game where we manage to get a lead, you know, a comfortable lead, two nothing, three nothing, you know, and, and there's maybe 25 minutes left. Th- those are the situations where maybe we can roll out with one of the canteranos or two. Mm-hmm. But think, uh, as far as starting one of them, I don't, I don't know. I think we should be looking at guys like Oliver Torres um, in the games where we need to break down defense. I mean, we've our previous two games against Malaga and Real Sociedad, we really struggled to create some offense and. Oliver Torres is there specifically with one task, and that's to create opportunities for his teammates. He is a creative midfielder with a great passing range, with excellent technique, and he's very reminiscent of Diego Rivas. Um, in those games, we really needed a player like him, and maybe he's not really up to it. I, I don't know, but if Simeone selects him for the match, and you have that type of player, then why don't you use him when we need him the most? And that is kind of surprising to me in those those games because we really needed him and instead Fiona went for his usual alternatives on the bench um, Adrian Lopez for example and Raul Garcia who didn't really add much and mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed that Oliver Torres wasn't used in those games and of course we can always play young guys when we're three or four goals up um, uh-huh. that's excellent but that's not relevant game experience for them we should be using them when we actually need them as a player and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Gary, you were with me um, at the press conference uh, after the Real Sofia defeat. Yes. Um, 
they're turning something that isn't a problem into a problem. Don't you get the, that feeling? No, I think it was a good question. No, no, no. I mean, uh, from the point of view of the club, um, they're turning something which is having a fabulous player. It's like if Malaga decided not to play Isco because he was 19. No, no, no. That's it's completely different. Isco had, I mean, uh, Isco had played at uh, B level and everything. Oliver Torres hasn't done that. I think what they should have done is they, they need to decide Torres. Whether he's playing at B level or he's playing at A level, he's still playing against men, and that's what he needs. He needs experience. Training but they, is. But they didn't want to. They, they didn't want to um, let Rayo have him for the rest of the season. Yes, they should. I don't even. I, he wouldn't have got into Rayo's team anyway right now because uh, they're doing really, really well themselves. But uh, that's the. It depends on, because everybody keeps telling me Leo. Uh, was it Leo Bautista has signed for Atletico I've been at Rayo and I've asked a couple of people connected at Rayo and they've told me that they know of no such deal they said that there's been negotiations there's been talks but every time I go to Rayo to pick up my press passes I see envelopes for Manchester United the likes of Liverpool the likes of Arsenal and all these top clubs and they're all coming to scout one player so why are they coming to scout a player that's already signed for Atletico de Madrid it doesn't make sense unless it's what happened last year with Lass was there was an agreement between Atletico and Rayo to sit down at the end of the table. Atletico had first refusal. Atletico pulled the plug because last lost form and he just didn't impress in the second part of the season. Now, the rumor is that Atletico were going to send three players to Rayo plus pay six or seven million. Uh, one is Saul, one is Oliver, and I think one might be Manquillo. And that's that they're sending these three young players for one season and... Uh, they pay seven million euro, which I think would be a great deal for all people involved. But Oliver Torres not playing against in the B team is really worrying Rayo Vallecano, and it's one of the reasons why they're considering maybe taking him out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So um, things things just look like um, they're they're getting bad for for um, Oliver because. Um, He's having the privilege of traveling with the first team, but he isn't getting any minutes. I mean, Malaga's match, it was a complicated match where maybe you don't want to risk the result. But, for example, against Real Sociedad, I really can't see a reason to not change the way Atletico was playing. And Atletico was struggling to to um, get passes to the to, to the forwards. I, I really don't know why why they're not playing... Go ahead. I think the things might be was that Simeone may have learned a little lesson about shaking things up too much after the Europa League exit. Uh, I think maybe he was afraid that putting Oliver on at that time would have put a huge amount of expectation on his shoulders. I mean, he came back from that UEFA tournament that we were all saying we had the next Xavi, the next Iniesta. We really have put Oliver on a pedestal that he should never have been put on in the first place. And I think Simeone maybe thought, if I do this... It could come off, and it could be the master stroke, and it could be great. But there's also a chance that the boy can fall flat on his face. And we've seen this many, many, many times of these kids coming on, and they're just not producing. And then you never hear of them. Keko was one. Uh, Borja, another. You mean, there's, uh, uh, there's probably, you mean, I, I can't think of any more off the top of my head. But there are more young kids that we all thought were going to make it. They came in, and they didn't really do well on their debut, and we never saw them again. Because it does get into their head. It does yeah, we have... Ruben Perez, we have Borja, we have Pedro, we have... Okay. Who knows what you guys, But isn't this... Sorry, isn't, do you guys, yeah, thank so, you, let me ask one question. Uh, do you guys think that maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that... I mean, there's other players on the bench, like if like Cebolla, Adrián, Raúl, 
if they're ever going to, like, if someone like Adrián is ever going to get back to form, I think Cholo's thinking, you know, why am I going to put in Oliver if, you know, somebody, uh, a more mature player is available that we need to get back to full, you know, form. Uh, I, I think that's a little bit of the pressure there, too, uh-huh. where he just overlooks and and, and and maybe at the end of the day, um, managing a, a, a talent academy is, is more about managing failure than managing success because um, the failure rate is always going to be much higher than the success rate when, when you develop players, unless you're extremely lucky, like, for example, Barcelona with a generation of players that came all together at the same time. But that normally doesn't happen. Um, so... Um, maybe we just have to take for granted that it's going to take a long time. Um, One final point before I think that we can move on to uh, another counter that's really impressive for Atletico, but tonight Oliver Torres actually started um, as the captain for the Spanish on the 19 team, mm-hmm. um, which which I think says something because that's a really talented generation. And I believe that Sao Niguez and Javi Manquillo also started for them against Germany, although I'm not sure what the final result was. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, let, let's move on to. Uh, well, if, if you have a, if you have a look at the at the um, um, under nineteen list, the only players that are playing uh, f- um, in 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 Primera are the Atlético Madrid players. So that just go, goes to show that uh, maybe maybe we're 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 being. There's too much pressure on on developing the player too soon, and um, we just have to be patient. But um, Continuing with the national team uh, topic and moving on to the next topic, um, I have a look at the under-19 or at the under-20 or at the under-21 list, and I and I keep finding players from Atletico Madrid. And all of a sudden, when I get to the um, Spanish national team list, we just disappear from from the list. And, and we've had one friend for for a time. That's strange. Um, match where they they sent Mario and and I think that even Mario got puzzled um, by 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 why exactly what was the merit for for calling him at that moment of the season um, probably his worst moment of the season and and we have other players that are um, hugely underrated like for example Gabi um, who could have filled that gap uh, for example um, this is probably um, the second spectacular season in a row by Atletico Madrid and um, I don't feel that internationally we're getting enough recognition for example we've had to see a change in the in the um, uh, coach of the Brazilian national team to start to see Atletico Madrid players um, travel um, in the same way that other teams send three or four players on a constant basis, do you think this is uh, this has to do more with whining, or are there some facts there that um, only having eight players um, in national teams is is a sign that something's um, being done wrong, or that maybe we're not getting credit for for our achievements? I don't know. Just want to open that question to you guys. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't give a fuck about international games. I just don't see the point why we want all our players to be in the international squad. They come back. I mean, do we really want the FIFA virus? I mean, I know we joke and laugh about it, but the, how many Real Madrid have already got one player coming back injured and they haven't even played a game yet? Uh, personally, I'd never agree with your comments on Vicente del Bosque. I complete, we've had this conversation uh, off the record, on the record. On the record, yeah. Let's not, let's not go there again or else I'll just be me and you bickering. But... Um, 
Personally, I think that, that Juan Fran is the right back of Spain really should send alarm bells through Spanish football because he's just not, for me, he's just not good enough. I'm sorry, I'm not a Juan Fran fan. I, I admire him. I respect him immensely. And I think he's a great guy. Is that something, right Gary, is that something from this more this season or like even last season at the even peak last of his, season. You know. Personally, somebody okay. I would love Atletico to get is uh, Hugo Mayo of uh, Salta Vigo because I think he's going to be a great signing. But I think <laughs> this number, it's too uh, it's too much because of uh, being injured and all. And plus, you I mean he's going to be a laugh on Twitter? You mean Jesus Christ, what he did last <laughs> weekend? Say, yeah, don't take anything <laughs> from any fans. But I think it would be a great signing for Atletico. Uh, I think as well uh, we need to get that short up but the, the, we all want our players in international squads and we all want them to do these 14, 15,000 mile trips and why, why? Let them stay at home, let Cholo work with them for two weeks mm-hmm. we just get better, uh, I mean, we come back I understand, I understand that point of it but uh, I think there's something of a, I think it's a pride issue for us, I mean it's pretty cool to see you know your your players representing their countries, then playing in big tournaments. Uh, how nice would it be to see Diego Costa and Felipe Luis and Miranda playing for Brazil in the World Cup? You know what I mean? It it just brings more prestige to Atletico because you're watching a game and it's so cool. I remember when uh, when Cunagüero was playing for Argentina and he was still with Atleti. I, I always felt this. I always got a smile whenever. You know, okay, Cunagüero for Atletico Madrid. When you know we haven't we haven't gotten a lot of recognition on the international level that, like that. And uh, Ricky, are you saying that we don't have? You think that we don't have enough international players? Yes, and I mean, that's been going on eight, for a very long time. It's like, Starting, it's like eight starters uh, that are being recognized right now. Uh huh. Yeah. Eight of the 11, I mean... Who else would you say merits the color, Bricky? Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just having a look at the, at the list. I'm, uh, I, I just, I just, well, I'm, 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 I'm having a look at the Spanish national list, of course. Um, I, I think that that's probably the most insulting part. Um, sending so few players, uh, to the Spanish national team. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, Alvaro Madrid is, it is a, a, um, a Spanish club, and um, but I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, for example, in the defense, I'm seeing Arbeloa, I'm seeing Albiol, I'm seeing, well, Aspiricueta, okay, he could, he could um, reach the level. Monreal, great. Um, Have you but, heard that what's his name? Amorieta uh, is in talks with Atlético. Amorieta. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. He's Venezuelan, uh, Gary. Can you make a pitch? <laughs> hey, Gary, you made, Gary made a pitch for him for Arsenal, I believe, right? Yes, I made a, uh, just now that I heard some, a similar name, uh, he's uh, in talks to Atletico or also after him. But the problem is Atletico can't speak to him formally until June, until his contract is up. Arsenal, the likes of the Premier League, can speak to him. Uh-huh. But... Just don't well, know. It's a better option than Catadias, I think. Do you think so? Yeah. I, I would rather have yes. Catadias. Yes, I agree. No, no. I would rather have Catadias a <laughs> hundred million times than Amorayeta for a million reasons. The first one was, would be that he would get so much pressure from the stands that he would be here for just one season, maybe half a season, <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> and um, I'm absolutely convinced about that. And there's political issues there. Uh, um, highly yeah, I think I'm overlooking. I'm overlooking the political. Yeah, issues. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you you do know that Amoravieta is playing for the Venezuelan national team because he doesn't want to play for the Spanish national team. And he was born in Venezuela. That's yeah, awesome. sure. He was sure. Okay. He was. Oh, he's he's Basque. It's like um um he was called up by by Luis Aragonés. He was he was here for for a friendly. He just yes. wanted to play for the Spanish national team, and it's not it's not an isolated case. There are quite a few players. Just that it's not it, it's never gone public, but there are a few yeah, players. Yeah, you've got the hard to like understand. The, the 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 Catalan player that played for Ajax. I I, I can't uh, remember the name. Sorry. Oleger. Yeah, Oleger. Oleger is the thing is, we always talk about these issues like that. Like we think that we're not gonna like a player, and then he like, maybe a, hyp a hypothetical situation, but he comes to the team and he has two, three great games, and, and right away it's kind of like you forget about all that. You know, not happening. I, I think it would be easier to fit Diego Lopez into the team than Amorabieta. To be quite honest, yeah. I'm gonna freak out here because I'm gonna do something pretty amazing. I agree with Ricky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you guys never agree with me with uh, with the international break stuff, so I'm just gonna move forward. And uh, um, well, we we've got Valencia at, uh, at home, and that means that we've got um, Soldado and company um, paying us a visit. Um, any thoughts about how the upcoming match can be? Uh, this is probably the less powerful Valencia that we've seen in seasons. Great opportunity to um, just settle that gap between both teams and 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 move on and and think of of the of the next uh, teams to come. Uh, maybe towards securing third position or uh, keep fighting for second position, whatever. Um, Derek, your opinion? Yeah, I agree, Rick. I think that Valencia look a lot worse than they have done in previous seasons. I believe they are also missing two key players, uh, Feguli and was it a defender, Rami? Maybe, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely not in a very good uh, position this season. And well, Salgado was injured as well. I don't know if he's going to make it in time. I, I guess he, he is because I haven't read reports against that, but he was injured as well. I think this is a very, very good opportunity for Atletico to actually show why we are third this season. And I sincerely hope that we absolutely hammer Valencia at home. That would just be fantastic because I'm not a very big fan of the uh, the guys from Valencia. And um, I think that this would be a great opportunity to actually show why we are on third. And I think we can get a very big victory over them. Hopefully get a goal for Falcao and um, just enjoy a game because I'm very, very confident ahead of this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can avenge the Soldado stamp on Farcao's forehead. No, I didn't uh, want to mention that, but yes, of course, <laughs> I was thinking of that. <laughs> um, no, but the other thing is, we win that game, and then we have an 18-point advantage over Valencia, who are fifth place, and that's that's a colossal gap right there. Uh-huh. Kerry? Yeah, uh, as Derek said, it's not a Valencia side that have been anywhere like the sides of previous years. Uh, I was also uh, looking at them. I watched them against Betis uh, this week, and they were very, very, very lucky. Uh, it wasn't a penalty. It wasn't a red card. Uh, they got the the look of the draw there uh, with the referee being so poor. And uh, 
right now, I think it depends. They're very wishy-washy. One game they come in and they're absolutely brilliant. Another game they come in and they're just so, so poor. I think it would be very good. I think this starts uh, a good run that we have Valencia first, then we have Real Madrid, and then we have Barca. And I think there's uh, three very important home games, and I think they send out a message uh, to rivals, and I think it also sends out a, a message to our intentions and honour. Also, it's a very good way to uh, evaluate our progress of how far we've come this season. But um, as I said, it's going to be a great game. Uh, I, I hate Sunday night uh, kickoff, but uh, the best thing is Billy's over for this game. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think cool. I think we're going to get a good game. I think because now Valencia they still got a shot at Europe, so I think they're going to attack, which kind of suits Atletico, mm-hmm. which means Atletico could get underneath their skin. But also depends on what players we get back from this international break. Yeah, can we get a chaperone? Can we get a chaperone for Billy? Well, that's <laughs> when isn't he in Madrid two weeks late? Because I believe Bieber has already left the country. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't. Uh, who? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you have to talk to, to to Billy's manager about the Beaver stuff. Okay. Um, uh, you wanted to comment something about uh, Diego Costa's comments uh, yesterday, Martin? Did you? Did you guys read about him? Did you guys hear? He he did an interview for the BBC. Uh, basically, uh, they they want to kind of introduce him to the Brazilian fans because. As Costa admitted in his interview, 90% of fans in Brazil don't know me. And, you know, he, he kind of talked about growing up in Brazil, uh, basically that he didn't have guidance, he didn't have, uh, like, a, a figure, a mentor. And he learned the hard way. He made a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of stupid things. Uh, and but And then he also admitted... That though he's not a violent player, he said, I'm not a violent player, nor am I a cheat, but I'm a provocateur. (laughs) And then he said, people think that because of my temperament, they can provoke me to be dismissed. But I've learned to turn the tables, and now my opponents are the ones shown cards and not me. (laughs) And we've seen a a little bit of that lately, but... But he has gotten cards too. Yeah, it's what's making the headlines. Maybe maybe there's there's too much pressure from from rival teams on on Diego Costa. They're they're falling for um, the provocations and um, uh, I, I don't think that Diego Costa is getting all the all the correct calls from the referees. I don't know if you guys yeah, are worried about that on the long term. Well, he said he even said that he mentioned that too. And, and then what surprised me is that he he said I used to be even more temperamental, but I'm more relaxed now. Mm-hmm. So, um, he he said uh, he said defenders hate me because I don't make life easy for anyone. Uh, they complain, they give me a, but they give me a beating all the time. And then he he highlighted the situation with Pepe and Ramos and and talking about how he became the the center of attention, but he didn't like it because, you know, he, he became the center of attention, but in a negative way. And that was really when he started getting all, you know, the flack from the media. Anytime he does anything on the field, every no, time. That's, that's absolutely heard, true. You know, start- in, in Spain, the press is divided between Madrid press and Barcelona press. Um, Madrid press are trying to uh, put the focus on, 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 on labeling Diego Costa as um, worse than Pepe. Or more yeah, yeah. Pepe. That's that's um their their sole focus. Yeah. Uh, Martin, then, are you worried that are you worried that um, Diego Costa might be seriously hurt by a defender um, because of his antics? Could happen. Could happen. Yeah, yeah. It could. Well, he's he's 
injury prone in a way we've seen he had the two knee injuries uh he's he's a bulky guy so you can see him kind of like you know like what happened last time ankle sprains and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i i think he's he's more liable to injure himself than get injured by somebody mm-hmm. you know what i mean Okay, one last topic before we we wrap up. I I wanted to ask you, it's out of curiosity, is Alvaro Insua ever going to play this season? Can you see that happening? I'm 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 really surprised with the situation. I find Emiliano. Sorry, Emiliano. I said Alvaro. <laughs> um, uh, Emiliano Insua. Uh, I thought he was just, he was going to arrive and become a starter, um, uh, but. The truth be said, um, Simon is being very fair there, and um, unless the defense uh, starts to have any problems, I, I can't see Emiliano Insua make it into the starting eleven or even getting any minutes at all. And uh, I, I don't see. I don't see. Um, well, he can play left wing too, right? He's a he's a fullback, and he plays. He can play left wing. If I do see him playing, I don't see him taking over for Philippe. I see him playing left wing. And maybe Costa moving to the right, something like that. But as far as taking over for Philippe, uh, I don't see it. Unless there's some issue with uh, red card or red card, suspension yeah. or something like that. Uh, Derek, any comments there? Or Gary? Uh, he, came, he came in with an injury which obviously complicated things for him because I believe that at the time that he came in, Philippe actually missed one or two games. Um, and since then, Philippe has just been available every single game and there's really been no need at all for Insua to play so far. Um, as you guys mentioned, he'll get his chance when we need him, but so far there isn't any need. Mm-hmm. Just stay put and wait for his chance, right, Gary? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I don't, I agree. It's very, very strange why we signed them, but I'm sure there's a reason and, um, Let's wait and see. I mean, I, uh, right now, who do you take out? It's, it's the same with Oliver. Do you really risk taking Felipe out for him? Uh, I don't know. But don't, um, you, don't you need to rest Felipe because he's really had a, um, an intense season? He's like the Duracell bunny. He just goes on and on. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, Martin, there was one last thing you wanted to... Uh, make a quick comment about right. Yeah, I thought it was important in, to mention. Uh, if you guys remember, in the the second leg of the Copa del Rey semifinal against Sevilla uh, at the Sanchez Pizjuan, uh, that that ugly claim that was made after the game by Jeffrey Condobia, uh, he had stamped, you know, Costa's privets, and uh, he on Twitter he excused himself in a way. He kind of said that he said, uh, Mr. Costa, you can you can save those monkey chants, you know, something like that. And he basically accused Costa of doing some monkey chants. Then uh, I think it was Canal Plus. One, one of those stations showed something that Costa was doing that may have resembled a monkey chant directed at, at Condovia. But in that interview I was talking about earlier, Costa plain out said those accusations are unfounded. Uh, he said in the heat of the game, he could have misinterpreted something. <laughs> I have black family members, and I would never do anything like that. So, I mean, okay. Um, my my personal opinion is that I can see the Costa doing it, um, but I really think that's part of the codes of football that things that happen on the pitch have to stay there. And 
when it comes to racism, no. And I'm saying Costa's innocent. I'm not saying Costa's guilty. But uh, racism, you're certain, starting to sound like Seth Blatter now. He should give a handshake. No, uh, racism shouldn't be on the football pitch. I completely disagree. I'm not saying Costa's innocent. I'm not saying Costa's guilty. Uh, uh, the thing is, Costa's known to wind players up. I mean, he did it against Real Betis when he followed them down the tunnel after uh, the start of this season. Oh, he uh, plain out admitted it that he's a wind-up merchant. So. Yeah. So, but trash trash talking has always been around, and um, is trash talking really racism? If you call somebody a monkey, yes. Yeah, monkey, monkey chant straight up. I'm I'm with Gary on this. When you do monkey chant at a at a black player, and that that's just. Horrible, you know. I mean, the reason you're doing it is because they're black. You're doing it because of their skin. So it is racism. But as yeah. I said, it could have been many, many different but, things. But that's like. But but isn't it like when you call um, when when he goes on to the pitch at the Benavel and and uh, calls Sergio Ramos a retarded? Isn't that the same type of trash talk that should be banned? Nah. Um, uh, that, that's just calling it as it is, Ricky. But what <laughs> Gary is actually saying is that he's calling it something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a comeback. <laughs> Develop the idea. <laughs> Go on. Man, I think that Gary, Gary, made, Gary made a perfect point. He, if there were monkey chance, it's simply because of his. Um, skin color and that's just unacceptable while anything um, against Sergio Ramos would be against the person Sergio Ramos and it would have nothing to do at all with um, with whether he's uh, Spanish or white or black or whatever. Okay, I have to agree with you guys then. Um, I think we can wrap up the episode and, and uh, once again uh, thank you all for coming, especially. Gary, great to have you back and uh, talk to you soon. Great, guys. Great to speak to you once again and uh, enjoy your Easter and, and listeners enjoy your Easter and everybody have a good time. I hope everybody had a happy St. Patrick's Day and we'll talk <laughs> soon. Yeah, talk back after the break. Uh, Derek, thank you once again and uh, great um, closing comment on Sergio Ramos. I had a great time. Great time, guys. Uh, it was a pleasure as always, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. Okay. And, uh, well, Martin, thank you very much once again. All right, guys. Hope to talk Have to you guys time. soon. Uh, thank you very much. And and we'll be together after the, the spring break and after the Valencia match. So this wraps up another episode of Red and White Passion. Remember to send your views by Twitter at ThisIsAtLetty, Facebook on Facebook.com slash ThisIsAtLetty, or by email on info at ThisIsAtLetty.com. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed the show and that you will continue to listen to us. You can subscribe to the podcast or download it via iVox or iTunes. Thank you for Sadletti. If you would like to advertise on This Is Atleti, contact us via email on info at thisisatleti.com.